Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. I'm writing this just before Halloween at the peak of what I affectionately call spooky season, a time where the veil between worlds is known to be thin and my attention turns towards that which is unseen, but still oh so real. I'm working on my annual tradition of building an ancestor altar, which I'll be sure to post on social media as soon as it's complete. I recently stumbled upon a beautiful antique wooden pipe at a thrift store, which I added as an homage to my great uncle George, who used to teach me about fun esoteric things like Roman numerals as he loaded his beautiful pipe and let me watch the smoke curl up into the air. I should note that he always smoked outside. He was the only person I knew who unashamedly engaged in this kind of vice with so much care and ritual, and I took note. So I'm adding him to my altar this year, along with my gorgeous, fabulous grandmother, Julie, and my gregarious, larger-than-life grandfather, Barry. I always add some dried marigold flowers as a nod to one of my favorite holidays, Dia de los Muertos. I have a dream of visiting Oaxaca, where I lived for a summer at age 16 during this time of year. I might just have to plan a Psyche Magic group excursion there one day. I was thinking about how sitting at my altar in the mornings, meditating and spending time with my guides and ancestors reliably creates a feeling of calm connectedness that I've come to depend on as an integral part of my mental and spiritual health. On that same note, today, my guest is someone who works in this energetic and spiritual healing realm. She talks a lot about Reiki, so I wanted to do a little introduction about the subject to give a bit of context before heading into the interview. Reiki is a spiritual healing practice which originated in Japan in the early 20th century and is built on the belief that the body is innately able to heal itself when its needs for energetic balance are facilitated. The word Reiki loosely translates to universal life energy. The practice involves transmitting or balancing that energy through the specific placement of hands on or above a recipient's body. Most commonly, Reiki is used to ease pain and promote relaxation and emotional well-being. Reiki is often dismissed as pseudoscience, with the implication that it therefore could not possibly hold any benefit. Studies have shown that Reiki treatments help diminish the negative side effects of chemotherapy, improve surgical outcomes, regulate the autonomic nervous system, and dramatically alter people's experience of physical and emotional pain associated with illness. 
That said, no conclusive peer-reviewed study has explained its mechanisms, much less confirmed the existence of a healing energy that passes between human bodies. Nevertheless, Reiki treatment, training, and education are now available at many esteemed hospitals in the United States, including Memorial Sloan Kettering, Cleveland Clinic, New York Presbyterian, the Yale Cancer Center, the Mayo Clinic, and Brigham and Women's Hospital. Pamela Miles, Reiki practitioner and researcher of over 30 years, states that when practiced according to its origins, Reiki is less about intervention and more about reestablishing the power already within the recipient to heal oneself. She says, quote, through an unknown mechanism, when a Reiki practitioner places their hands mindfully and with detachment, it evokes the healing response from deep within the system. Unquote. Miles falls on the conservative end of Reiki evangelists in that she's careful not to make claims about its mechanisms or efficacy that can't be supported in a scientific context. She does not, for example, subscribe to the belief that Reiki energy is a substance that could be given, received, or measured, unquote. When we are traumatized, survival is the priority, and our healing mechanisms are on lockdown. We have to pull out of that stress state and get into a parasympathetic dominant state before the body is able to self-heal and actively partner with conventional medicine. We could argue that from a trauma-based perspective, Reiki allows the body to have an experiential awareness of a feeling of internal safety. What if it's just the placebo effect becomes a well-meaning but overly simplified question here. What we're learning scientifically about placebo is that sugar pills can ease symptoms in patients, even if those patients know they're receiving sugar pills, and even if those pills are given without any suggestion about specific results. The rituals of medicine, the powerful symbols of medical care, and an encounter with a warm, empathetic caregiver actually activate neurotransmitters in the brain that can intensify or abate certain symptoms. This would also explain the research of the efficacy of psychotherapy. Client reported positive outcomes most often correlate with the strength of the relational alliance between client and therapist. So the placebo effect isn't about trickery or deceit. It might just be a different option for care. And yet the quote, benefits of therapies such as Reiki and acupuncture go beyond what we normally think of as placebo effects. Unquote, writes Joe Marchant, author of the 2016 book, Cure, A Journey into the Science of Mind Over Body. It isn't about fooling patients. Instead, she argues, many aspects of the care that alternative practitioners provide, from talking to touch, seem to have the power to relieve symptoms and even influence physical outcomes. Conventional medicine, with its squeezed appointment times and overworked staff, often struggles to provide such human aspects of care. Touch-based healing simulates the most archetypal care gestures. A hand on a feverish forehead, a kiss on a scraped knee. It is not hard to imagine that a hospital patient awaiting surgery or chemotherapy might feel relieved in that often sterile and hectic setting to have someone place a hand gently and unhurriedly where the hurt or fear is with the intention of alleviating any suffering. 
that this increased calm might translate into lower blood pressure or abated pain, anxiety, or bleeding, as has been observed in hospital patients who undergo Reiki. Seems logical, too. Ted Kapchuk, a Harvard Medical School professor and one of the lead researchers on placebo, theorizes that the placebo effect is, quote, a biological response to an act of caring, that somehow the encounter itself calls forth healing, and that the more intense and focused it is, the more healing it evokes, unquote. It's so important to explicitly say that Reiki has its limits. It cannot cure cancer on its own or stabilize arrhythmia. But what it can do is ease pain, stress, and fatigue, which perhaps not so coincidentally is exactly where patients have benefited from Reiki. The ailments that Reiki seems to treat most effectively are those that orthodox medicine struggles to manage. Pain, anxiety, chronic disease, and the fear or discomfort of facing not only the suffering of illness, but also the suffering of treatment. Yufeng Lin, an integrative medicine specialist at Cleveland Clinic, says, quote, What conventional medicine is excellent at is acute care. We can fix broken bones, we can unclog arteries, we can help someone survive a significant trauma, and there are medicines for all sorts of symptoms. But medicine is less successful at recognizing the way that emotion, trauma, and subjective experience can drive physical health, and the way that they can affect recovery from acute medical care. Unquote. Unlike the many FDA-approved medications that barely beat a placebo in studies and carry negative side effects, Reiki can be relatively cheap and safe to implement. Maybe there's something to be said for the healing power of spending time just being cared for. With that, I'm thrilled to announce today's guest, Kendi Girdley. Reiki practitioner and teacher, holistic chef, wellness guide, vitalist herbalist with apothecary products. Please enjoy our interview. All right. Candy Girdley, welcome to Psyche Magic. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Jordan. We're just gonna sing talk everything. Let's okay. just let's just <laughs> let's just Perfect. sing talk the whole time. Um, Candy, I'm already like just giddy. Like I'm just really happy to be talking with you. You know that I'm a big fan of your work. Your Reiki sessions specifically have been very helpful and healing to me. So I'm thrilled mm -hmm. to get the opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you for oh, being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It's my first podcast interview. So. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Big day. Big day for us all. <laughs> first things first, we're going to center and we're going to do yeah. our tarot moment. Okay. And Kindy, that is also, if I remember correctly, that's how you like to begin your energy sessions too, right? Yeah. I have a specific deck I like to use. It's not tarot. Actually, it's an Oracle card, Threads of Fate, Shadow Edition. Yes. And it is just always so on point for what's coming up for the client. I love that. I know. And I yeah. love that you have a preferred deck. I think that that's so like, there's something very yeah. grounding about that. Mm -hmm. 
So yay, I have a preferred deck as well, which is always the classic Smithwaite tarot deck. Can't go wrong. (laughs) Exactly. It just never does me wrong. Pixie, her drawings, like, oh, they just, every time they just get me. So I shuffled and as always, I set the intention of just guidance for the conversation. Just what do we need to be aware of? What do we need to know? What will be helpful and useful to us? And here's the card. So we got two of cups yes so I'm gonna give you a moment to just kind of like take that one in Kindy and I will describe it to the listeners so in this card we have two people this is presumably a man and a woman and they're standing kind of hand in hand holding these two cups above them is this really beautiful image of a lion's head with angelic looking wings kind of looking over them and then there's the caduceus symbol, which is the staff with two snakes intertwined, winding up in between them as well. Behind them is a beautiful rolling hill landscape. And it's definitely, there's a sense of like celebration connection here for sure. So Candy, two of cups, (laughs) what does this bring up for you? What are you noticing? Mm, I mean, it's always such a positive card for me. And I'm going to be real honest. I'm not super well-versed in tarot. Oh yeah. I love doing it, but I'm definitely a book reader. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's always just such a light and I love three of cups too. Yes. But yeah, it's just such a positive card to draw. And other than that, I can't go super deep with that. (laughs) Yeah, no, but you're just saying that even just looking at the image, there's just a very good, warm, positive feeling associated with the card. And for many of the cards, that's just not the case. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Swords, for example. (laughs) You take one look and you're like, ouch, yikes. Yes. But you look at this card and you see that there's something flowing between these two people. Yeah, the filling of cups. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that makes me want to talk about just the cups suit in general. So the way that I tend to interpret cups is that the suit of water, which is a very important um, element to me because I have water in all my big three in astrology. Mm. I am just a water baby, just a water kind of gal. And so I associate water with emotions and the emotional realm. Yeah. I'm a cancer son. I'm very well versed in emotion. (laughs) You're like, I feel all the feelings. (laughs) So this is a cups card. And so these two, there's something about the exchange that's happening in this card that has to do with that emotional realm. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about emotions and water, we're talking about depth And we're talking about the ability to transmute and go with the flow. And so you get a sense that this is kind of deep and hard one journey for these two people who are coming together. And then when you look at the symbols of these beings, these powerful symbols overlooking the card, you get the sense that there is some kind of sort of divine intervention here with this coming together. Yes, exactly. Support. So there's something about this union that feels very grounded in the emotions, the emotional depth, the emotional work, but then also just grounded in right action, connection with what is divinely inspired. So yeah, very powerful card. We'll see sort of as we talk, we'll see if there's more layers that kind of unfold, which is always fun. I already love the water piece. So yeah. Yes. I know. Is there anything with that that you want to share? Yeah. So do you know um Kim Design Thought Studio? She's wonderful. No. She's here in Nashville and she 
has lots of modalities, but yeah. she kind of helps you deepen your connection with intuition. Yes. So she's like, you are just like this current, like, that's what I see. She's a medium as well. She was so she's like, you are just this current. And so the flow, and then I'm also taking a new training on craniosacral biodynamics. And it's about the flow of the breath and um, connecting with them. So yeah, already deep connection with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cranial sacral biodynamics. What yes. is that? <laughs> it's magic. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so there's craniosacral functional and there's craniosacral um, bioenergetic. Both of those are like doing. Yeah. Craniosacral biodynamics is listening to the body. Wow. And so the body breathes like a fish's gill. The the bones actually move. We're taught that the skull is static and doesn't move, but that's okay. not, true. not true. It actually does flow and move. So yeah, it's really just holding that space, connecting to the still point, your midpoint, and allowing yourself to feel into your clients' energy, the wow. flow. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I volunteered to be worked on during our training and it was mind blowing. Really? And so what it does is help you unravel trauma wow. in such a somatic way. Yes. I cannot wait to bring this to Nashville. It's amazing. Currently no one's offering the biodynamic sect of that's incredible. Yeah. Koa Kalish is my teacher and she's just incredible. So wow. Obviously, you're teaching me already because I've never even heard of this. But what I do know from my own course of study is that what we understand about trauma is that it really requires body based intervention in, in order to heal. And so coming from a field of psychology where it's all about the brain and the thoughts, yeah. we also have had to learn to collaborate with other practitioners who can teach us more of these body-based yeah. interventions, because that's what is really required for true healing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I actually really love seeing so many therapists moving into a more somatic capacity. Me too. It's beautiful and it's so necessary. So yeah, the paradigm shift is happening. <laughs> it is happening, Kendi. I know. Mm. I, I feel like you and I usually end up talking about that when we're together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the shift is happening and we're both excited yes. about it. Yes. yes. Okay. And you know what? I mean, honestly, when I'm looking at this card again, I am seeing that there's probably a link here with the caduceus is a symbol of mercury and mercury historically ruled over, I believe, healthcare communication, mm. all of the like sciences. Right. Yeah. And so I think there is something in this card about mm. like that, that shift in these fields yeah. towards a deeper sense of healing. Yes, absolutely. So that's cool. We like that. Love it. Yeah. It's a great card. <laughs> great card. Okay. <laughs> so let's transition a little bit. So let's get into your dream realm. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course this will lead us to all kinds of other conversations about our work because duh, mm -hmm. but you shared a really cool dream with me and I'm very excited to kind of tease it out a little bit. So please share as, as much or as little as, as you would like here now. Yeah. So gosh, I want to say this was a year and a half, two years ago. It was kind of like two dreams in one. And I walked into a bedroom, turned to my left and looked into the mirror, which was like a dresser mirror. 
And when I looked in the mirror, it was not my reflection. It was the reflection of a black woman with short hair. I am white. I have long hair. (laughs) (laughs) And within the dream, I was like, wow, this would really normally freak me out, but I'm just, I'm hanging in with it. I'm like, okay, where is this taking me? Because I'll wake myself out of dreams in a fear state. Okay. So you noticed even in your dream consciousness, you noticed a little bit of that awareness of like, oh, this might normally launch me into wanting to wake up, but it's not. Yeah. But I want to see this. I want, where is this taking me? This is so interesting. Interesting. Okay. And so that was one part of it. Then it turned into another dream where I was looking through it felt like it was a warehouse or something and I was lower and there was a window kind of up above me not too far but elevated and through the window I saw the back of this woman's head and all of a sudden it started turning like it was levitating because of the height of the window and this is just the head this is just the head yeah yeah And it slowly started turning. And when it turned to face me, it was someone else's face. It was my teacher's face. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, what does this mean? Exactly. So, yeah. And it felt like a continuation of that mirror. Yeah. Just like dimension after dimension. Oh, okay. I like that (laughs) word. (laughs) I like that word because there is something about this dream that feels like I'm maybe doing some traveling of some kind. And I'm curious though, you know, because you mentioned that even from the beginning of this dream, there was something about your emotional experience that felt atypical, like Mm -hmm. you were paying attention in a different way. And so- I'm curious, I mean, in the service of talking about cups, which we're clearly supposed to be talking about today, what was the sort of emotional trajectory of this dream? Did you notice that there were like important shifts happening there? You know, it was really calm and curious. Those are the two words that come Mm -hmm. up and just like, just so interested in taking it further. And during that time, I was training for my Reiki master's certification. So I was deep, deep, deep in connection. And it felt like that was so helpful in staying just calm Mm -hmm. and curious Mm -hmm. within what normally would have been a bit fearful. Yes. Okay. Like the work that you were doing in your waking life towards depth, towards healing, towards learning Mm -hmm. affected the way that you oriented yourself to this dream. Yeah. And it was just so cool too, to actually be able to kind of be outside of my dream self and kind of oversee and look and just be like, it's okay. Yeah. I can be calm to this. Exactly. And so two things, one, there was like a bit of a lucid ish quality to this dream. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not, you know, when people think about lucid dreams, they often think about like a very overt, like direction that's happening as if I'm directing like a film, like now a Phoenix is going to fly down and I'm going to jump on and it's going to carry me away. Right. Okay. But sometimes lucidity is what you're talking about. Just a certain difference of awareness. Awareness. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's super cool. And then the second thing is that when you talk about that calm and curious feeling, that Mm -hmm. is a feeling that we so often talk about in therapy when specifically the therapy that I practice, which is IFS internal family systems, Mm -hmm. where we're accessing the energy of our true self of our authentic self, the self that persists, the self that is soul. And so there's something about this dream where you were sort of operating from that self, that true self place. It seems Mm -hmm. like, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, what are some of your theories about this dream? Like how have you made meaning from this dream? I mean, it's been a while. You said this was like a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. How are you sort of making sense of it now? You know, it has stuck with me and I think about it from time to time, but I've kind of gotten to this state where I'm just like, I may not figure it out and that's okay. But I also feel like there was this other energy of the first image of the woman in the mirror needing my help. That's interesting. Yeah. What gave you that sense? It was just the energy of her. Okay. She may have actually even said help. Really? I could be making that up right now, but... (laughs) Yeah, it felt like that. And I wrote it down in a journal and I would look last night. I could not find it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have too many journals, right? I don't know about you. Oh my God. So many. many I need some organization with it. Me too. (laughs) Okay. So there was a sense of this figure representing or asking for help of some kind. Yeah. And then I'm curious if it felt like that shifted when you went to the next like portion of the dream where you were orienting to her differently in space. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that feeling shifted at that point. Yeah. You know, it felt like in the mirror, it almost felt like a a collective help. Okay. Even though it was a singular person, it did have the sort of like, I'm you, you are me. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, we're one. Uh-huh. And then just thinking about it now, I am curious what the elevated image means. And that it was just the head and the slow rotation. (laughs) And I get, there was a, a direction as well that seemed pertinent to remember. What do you mean by that? Like when it was levitating and then slowly started turning, I was just like, Oh, she's turning to the left. Mm-hmm. interesting feminine oh yeah the left side yeah. okay and so feminine collective yeah yes and the left side in my experience because you know I dabble in mediumship stuff yeah okay yeah. so the left side also tends to be the side of like spirit yeah at least for me I'm not sure if that would be true like across the board but that has yeah. been true in my experience so that's interesting yeah it is mm-hmm. um do you have thoughts on it I'm actually just thinking because a minute ago when you said I like I had like a light bulb moment when you said that it felt very like I am you you are me mm-hmm. and so yeah there's something about like that sense of interconnection in this dream that feels yeah. really important because I agree. yeah I will say that I'm still learning so much about like what mediumship even is and honestly if I'm really honest I'm still actually trying to decide if I actually can like believe it fully mm. <laughs> even though I've had some crazy experiences that we could talk about more but there's just a journey for me around like 
coming into my own true self, authentic understanding of like what's happening and being able to trust it. And that can be touch and go. So all of that is really to say that it feels like there's a message here about sort of like trust of like your experience and your experience of interconnection Mm -hmm. and how that affects you and how that affects your work. I don't want to speak for you, but my experience of you is that you are someone who is dedicated to practicing in a way that is authentic and connected. I get the sense from you that you're the type of practitioner that like, if you're not connecting, you're not going to try to work. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's important. If I can't fully be present and hold that space, then it's not fair to allow the client to continue, you know? Yeah. And I usually am, depending on what's going on, I'm usually able to find that still point and find that space. Oh, still point. I love that like phrasing. Yeah. Because that also feels very self. Like the self is calm, curious, quiet. Yeah. Like there's sort of like a quiet certainty. Like, yeah. And I mean, another like still point neutral, like finding that to be able to be the container, to hold that container. Yeah. Rather than letting your personal thoughts, beliefs, shit that's going on that day affect you. Yeah. Right. It's so important to be able to get there. Okay. Well, that makes sense, especially when we're talking about the suit of cups and like what it means to be able to be like a vessel and hold space for someone yeah. while still maintaining boundaries. Yeah. Right. <laughs> boundaries are important for water. Because <laughs> water can permeate yes. wherever. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Okay. Back to the dream. I am having another thought now, which I'm wondering if it's important to talk about the mirror as a symbol yeah. specifically. And I'm wondering if you might feel comfortable just kind of freeform, like associating about the mirror mm, a little bit mirror. and like what mirrors might mean to you. Well, yeah. I mean, reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, being the I am you, you are me, that connection. Yeah. I mean, looking within, looking deeper. Mm -hmm. I have an association for mirrors, which is that it kind of fits with what we were talking about in terms of like the sort of spirit element Mm. with the stream, because mirrors have historically been seen as like a means of communicating with spirit and inviting spirit. And I actually just learned about this. There's a word that, gosh, I would have to look it up, but there were these rooms in like Victorian times and like Victorian houses that were just full of mirrors and they were used. Yes. And they were used for seances specifically. Yes. And so there would be these mirrors that were sort of turned a bit upwards so that they weren't Uh reflecting anything in the room. They Uh were just reflecting like the dark space and they were used for kind of scrying and just spending time in like quiet reflection and seeing if there was something that might um, appear. Yeah, it's a dimensional opening. Yeah, exactly. And you were talking about dimensions earlier when you were thinking about the stream. So I wonder if there's also an element here of like an additional layer of that symbol of interconnection that has to do with like a portal, like sort of Mm, like a spirit mm -hmm. portal. Yeah. So that's fun. It is fun. (laughs) 
dream analyzation. <laughs> I love it. Can we talk about the, because you mentioned at the very beginning that an important aspect of the way that you sort of digested this dream was understanding that there was a departure from what might have been historically your initial reaction, which might've been fear. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about like how that fear has maybe shown up in the past? And if you feel like there's maybe an element of that, that feels important to like, there's like an overcoming of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Typically, I mean, I've had lots of nightmares, um, reoccurring dreams as a kid, especially. And then that actually kind of continued into some young adulthood. Yeah. But yeah, fear was a big component of many of my dreams. And so what I would do is wake myself up out of it so I didn't have to be there anymore. It was actually really big to experience that and be kind of with that fear because it was like there, but also like, but it's okay, you're safe. Yes. You can actually look into this and be curious and not have to be fearful. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. If you were just to feel this. Exactly. You don't have to hide or run away. Yeah. So many times when people have experienced trauma after trauma, it's just like, oh, let's get out of this quickly. I can't, can't take any more. Exactly. And so, yeah, to really be able to feel through that instead of reject it felt really big. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself, even if I never really figure out this dream, that was just such a huge piece um, for growth. That makes so much sense that sometimes it's not necessarily about getting this clear working knowledge of every symbol and everything that happened. Sometimes it's more about what experientially happened to me during this stream. Yeah. And that feeling you got from that. Yeah, exactly. And so that alone sort of symbolized like maybe a turning point. Yeah. That's really cool. (laughs) That makes me really happy, Candy. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that dream. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for analyzing it with me. (laughs) Anytime. So fun. Let's talk about your work now, because I love what you do. So I would love it if you could just, you know, for listeners who aren't familiar with Reiki, could you just kind of walk us through like what a typical session looks like and kind of what you're aiming to do during these sessions? Just teach us a little bit. Sure. So Reiki is universal life force energy. It is universal love. That's the definition I really connect with. So the point of it is to definitely like balance the chakras, but also just relax. Utmost importance that you are able to, and part of that, me holding space for you is to make you feel as comfortable and safe as possible so that you can then relax and receive. Because if you're in your head and you're, you know, you're in a loop of like, I'm not sure. And you're tensing up your body because, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to receive. And not be giving something of their self. So really creating a safe container for for clients to receive. And then um, just shedding all that is no longer serving them. Um, I have restructured my offerings. So they're a little bit different. But so a Reiki session is 75 minutes. And we will have like 
a brief conversation about what's coming up for you and then we'll move to the table. Part of that getting you comfortable is I have a biomat indoors. And then a lot of times if it's nice outside and it started out this way is I would offer yes. Reiki outside in my greenhouse or underneath my tulip poplar, which is so I incredibly love your special. outdoor space. It really is so special. Thank you. So to incorporate nature in these Reiki sessions is just divine. And we have all different kinds of animals all around and they frequent. And sometimes it's Hawk who comes in and says hello. Sometimes it's hummingbird, sometimes it's squirrel. And I'm very into medicine cards um, and animal meaning. So I'll just sort of briefly let the client know what each of those means. Turkey shows up often, cardinal. So yeah, the outdoor experience is wonderful. And October 1st, I'm going to be offering outdoor Great. sessions again. It's just been, I can't be out there in the summer. It's just miserable. Fair enough. <laughs> so I moved indoor for that. But yeah, so it's relaxing on the table. It is occasionally I will have you repeat um, aloud affirmations that might come through. You and I did a lot of this and I loved it. Yeah, it can be such a huge piece to verbally, audibly yes. release, right? So again, part of that somatic mm -hmm. release. It comes up for some people and some some people are just there to fully relax. And so I will intuit what is- So you, okay. Most. And that was what I was going to ask you, Kindy, is that when you are, you know, sort of leading the client into these moments of affirmation, that's because that is something that's intuitively coming to you as you're working with their energy. And so you're just going yes. with that intuition and just going with that flow. Beautiful. Yes. Yep. What a, what a well-honed skill. Mm, thank you. It just kind of comes through. So I don't know that it's a skill, but <laughs> I can pass it along. Well, the reason that I say skill is that it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where like, there's a, at least I think for many people, there's this hard one, like trust in that ability right. to follow the intuition and go where it needs to go and not second guess it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it feels like that is, that's a place that you've really arrived in where that just can happen so naturally. Yeah. And I would say, you know, that just continues, right? It's like two steps forward, one step back, but it's like getting to that point where you do trust is so important for us as facilitators and space holders, but also for our clients to be able to trust, like, okay, that affirmation feels very uncomfortable. Like, is that because it's fear that's speaking to you right now? Or is that because actually, I don't think that's for me. Yes. Like to sort of the word again is curious, like to be curious about that resistance. Yeah, exactly. And feel it you know, not just force it down and they be like, okay, they, they want me to say that. So I'm just going to say that. Like, I want you to really feel this. Is this yours to say aloud? That's so great to sort of summarize some of what you've talked about. So a lot of what Reiki is about is just passing through that energy of universal love. Absolutely. And yeah. just, just sharing that together. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's a Reiki session. Yes. And I'm also offering a multi-modality okay. session. So that can incorporate cord pulling, hard pulling. Okay. That can incorporate a lot of things that were normally in a Reiki session that just 
I'm needing to split that and yes, offer it in a different way. That makes sense. Some people might just want right. just that Reiki energy. Yeah. And then the multimodality too, it can also incorporate sound healing, cool. um, the affirmations, energy clearing, chakra balancing, all of these things. Yes. So yeah. you said cord pulling for the listeners. Yes. What is that? Yeah. So a lot of people have heard of cord cutting. Okay. Everything is energy. And so right now you and I are creating an energetic cord. We're connecting through this energy. Yes. And so sometimes we connect to people, places, things, animals, and it no longer serves us to hold that energy. And so what I do is release any energy that is not theirs that are connected. And I go through the chakras and the aura. So I release all of that. And then I call back the client's energy that is also kind of stuck or attached to others. So it's like an exchange back. Okay. This makes so much sense because from, again, we're with water, we're with cups, we're with boundaries. So from a mm -hmm. boundary perspective, there's a need to, yeah, like release the energy I'm holding onto that a isn't mine. B is not my, is not my responsibility like that I don't need. And then with clearing that out, I'm also inviting all of my pure energy yes. back in back to me. Yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then what I also do is send that away. Any of that space that the cord was connected to or attached to, I then fill that sort of space with love, peace. Yes. And compassion. Yes. It's a very loving. And this is all energy. So it can't be created or destroyed. So that which we send out, we have to fill back in. Like that makes mm -hmm. sense to me. Yeah. And I think with cord cutting, it's such an abrupt thing. And it's like, you know, at one point, this energy was necessary and needed, and yeah. it's just not anymore. Yeah. And so that can be a loving return. Yes. Well, and okay, this is now bringing me to a question that I had about an experience that I had in one of your sessions, which is yeah. that I noticed that at the end of our session. And in this particular session, we had done a lot of the affirmations that you were describing and you had done some cord pulling as well. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that session, I had this very uncanny experience where I felt very uh, sort of connected and embodied with my inner child. Mm, yeah. And so when you asked me to, okay, like we're done, you can sit up, let's chat a little bit. I remember like sitting in like a funny position, like how a kid would, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I remember like laughing and giggling and feeling so playful. And I yes. wonder about just getting sort of your sense of like why that might happen or what you make of that, like from like an energetic yeah. perspective. Right. So um, during that cord pulling, I mean, these can be old energetic cords, right? So if you were giving your energy away as a child and like needing to pull that back and reconnecting with that, I mean, that's, that's so beautiful. I love that you experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. As you say that I like feel a little bit emotional, like that feels very yeah. true. And that makes so much sense. I, I think that I hadn't really considered 
like the notion of sort of calling all of your energy back, like through mm -hmm. space and time and through the different iterations of yeah. yourself through this lifetime, all lifetimes. So, okay. You're already taking me to the next place I wanted to go, <laughs> which is that you, in your work, you conceptualize that this energy work pertains to all different, uh, like you said, lifetimes, iterations of who we've been. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you just expound on that a little bit more? Have you seen things play out in terms of like past lives? Do you have stories about that? Like, I'm very curious about that. Yes. I, so I don't visualize very often. It's actually starting to come through more now, cool. but I, um, am, I forget the Claire's, but the Claire uh -huh. sentient, I have yes. a, a knowing. Yes. Yes. Well, I believe that Claire sentience has to do with the energy. Like I'm, I'm feeling things energetically and then Claire cognizance has to do with just clear yes. knowing, like all of a sudden I'm just aware of something and I know it's true. Yes, that. And so that one's a really hard one to describe yes. to people and share. It's just like, I, I can't tell you much other than I just know. I just know this. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, mm, okay. Yeah. So yes, I had a client, um, we were in the greenhouse and normal session. And I get to her right hip and all of a sudden I am about to pass out. Oh, um, I had to leave the greenhouse three times and connect my hands and feet on the earth, call myself back, call my light in, then return. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue this, but this is really intense. Well, this sounds like it was a, a new experience for you yeah, too. Like you're trying to feel your way through it. This was pretty early on. Yeah. So I'm like, what is happening? Am I being attacked? Um, <laughs> sure. And it was just me feeling into a past life of hers that was very intense and painful. And it was so much, she was crying and like, I, I felt it. I'm incredibly empathic. So I also feel what the client is going through. Oftentimes we were able to clear that. And it was, it was great. I actually called my teacher and we saw her later and were able to clear it even deeper Wow! because we both worked with her. I see. So you two combined your energy and sort of being a mm -hmm. conduit at the, like at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Because this was a very deep, deep wounding. Yes. Yeah. Like an attachment also. Yes. So. But yeah, um, definitely. And things will come up for the client that I'm not privy to. Sometimes sure. they will get visuals sure. or remembrances. So and that's why I think it's really good to talk at the end. Um, and I always invite my clients to, if anything is coming up and like you verbally want to speak it aloud or share it, absolutely. This is your time to fully that. feel it, fully express it. Yes. Okay. And so in that type of moment, I'm curious, like how you came to conceptualize that as something that was from the past and not from, you know, some sort of trauma within this lifetime. Like, was that yeah. a clear cognizance for you? Like, how did that come to you? That was a knowing. Yeah. And also speaking to the client, she was just like, that is old. That is so yeah. old. So she yeah. had a bit of knowing as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 
you know, a lot of times clients are not even open to past life stuff. So knowing what you're able to share and, you know, just making sure they're comfortable because I don't want to go too woo woo with someone who is not. You want to meet them where they are, which completely makes sense. Yep. That's the way that they're going to get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am very interested in the whole idea of past lives. I think it is so fascinating. I've been interested to explore like, you know, there are people who do sort of specifically like past life regression, like sessions, Mm -hmm. like hypnosis, things like this. Have you ever done anything like that? Uh, Well, my teacher, she does past life. Really? Yes. And I mean, I, yeah, did a lot, lot through that. I was going to ask you about energy testing and like whether that was something that you do, because I recently read Energy Medicine by Donna Eden. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with that title? I'm familiar with that author, but not that title. Okay. That book is where I learned about the concept of energy testing, which you helped me, but my understanding of it is that there is this sort of, it's kind of like using the body as a pendulum. Like if you ever used a pendulum to ask like a yes or no. Yes. Okay. So for the listeners, pendulums can be used to answer like a yes or no question. And so you'll hold a pendulum and you will ask for it to show you yes, show you no, it will rotate in one direction or the other. Yes. And you have to program it to where, what is your yes? What is your no? And then you're able to ask. Yeah. Yes. And so in energy testing, you can essentially use your body as a pendulum by asking the question of like, like, let's say, for example, I'm holding a coffee here right now. Let's say, for example, like, does this coffee harmonize with my energy and my body might either like move towards it, like a pendulum might to indicate yes, or it might move away from it. So help me fill in the gaps. Does that feel like what you're talking about? No. I mean, I think that's a great assessment. And then, um, like you can do that. You can hold something. I like to hold it to my belly or solar plexus and ask, you know, is this in my highest or greatest good? Yes. Um, and see if your body moves forward or if it pulls back, I use a pendulum often. Yeah. And then there are several chiropractors and my friend, Emily spring, um, she does some energy testing. And then of course you can use the arm as well. So you hold your arm out in different positions. Yes. And even legs. And then you will ask a question and if it falls yes, easily, it's a no or the opposite, something like that. Yeah. So, well, and when we talk about these things, we're back to that theme that we came up with earlier about that self-trust, like being able to trust my intuition in these ways, Mm -hmm. because I personally, when I've tried energy testing, it's so hard because I'll convince myself that I'm just making it up or that I'm just, you know, like going with the answer that I want. And so again, it's just this practice. Like it's something that I think really can take a while to cultivate and to be able to learn to really trust your own body. It's so fraught for a lot of people. It's also getting into that neutral. Oh my gosh. So out of your head, I want this outcome. Same with the pendulum. I can make it go yes or no, depending. Oh my God. If you're you're like willing it, like. Yeah, right. Yeah. So finding that neutral, finding that still point of not being, not wanting an outcome. This is what you mean when you say still point. I feel like I finally understand what that phrase means. Yeah. 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 A neutral. Yes. I'm not attached to any outcome. I'm just 
I'm neutral. A quiet mind. Yeah. Yep. Because that is how, you know, when I think about IFS and I think about the self, the core self versus, you know, all of the different parts of our psyche and the parts mm-hmm. are deeply attached to certain outcomes. They want certain things. Absolutely. And so, yes, like in inviting my parts to like, take a break, to be able to trust that myself will hone in on yeah. what's best. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to a session when I first began, I was just like, oh my God, I want them to have the most amazing session ever. And like, but it's like, you have to step out of the way so that their healing can take place. Yeah. It's such a paradox. It's Mm -hmm. like, I have to let go of all of the parts of my will and my ego that want this to go well for my own sake. Right. Right. And for theirs though, right? And for theirs. Yeah. (laughs) It's just that the ego is really concerned with, am I making you happy? Like, am I doing what you want me to do? No, you're so right. Yep. Am I pleasing you? Are you happy? Yeah. I'm speaking from (laughs) experience. Yes. We did some work on my people pleasing stuff, Kendi. So yeah, it is. So (laughs) it's so right there. It's such a deep groove. It is. is. Girl. Yeah, I know. It's so fun to be able to incorporate like some of these different modalities. And like you said, you're creating this uh, like kind of amalgam of several different modalities that resonate, you know, and so then it becomes this Mm -hmm. very personal like practice of yours, which is really yes. Yeah. And different for everyone, right? Exactly. Yes. Easily like customizable. Mm hmm. Okay, now I have to ask you, like, how did you come to this place where A, you really like believed in energy and the power of energy and B, wanted to make this your vocation? How did this happen for you? So my teacher texted one day and was just like, hey, do you want to learn Reiki? I had been seeing her as a client. I see. And I was just like, huh, yes. (laughs) And then like, it wasn't hard. No, I was just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I started to learn it. I was just like, Oh my God, amazing. This is so great. And like, I feel so much more connected. And I did it originally to learn just for me to have a self practice. And then it just became so abundantly clear. I was supposed to share this. And as far as like believing in energy and all of this, I mean, it was I mean, over the last 10 years, because I went in and out of spirituality. Okay. Both of my parents died at a very young age. Um, I was 22 and 24. They both had different types of cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I was during that time where my mom was sick because hers was very prolonged. I was so desperately seeking and understanding. Of course. So very, very open way too open actually because I didn't have any mentors or anyone to help me through that so I was way open and things happened that really scared the shit out of me because I wasn't ready for it I didn't know how to handle it or understand it and so I shut it down yeah Yeah, because I was beginning to see and beginning to hear as well Mm -hmm. as just know and I was very psychic as a kid but like my whole matriarchal lineage was very, very psychic, but they didn't speak about it. There was a lot of, yeah, you know, no, it, it was it, their spirit around it. Of course, rightfully yeah. so. There's very real persecution. Fear persecution. Still working through this. This was what you, this came up in our session too. I remember this. So many of us. Yep. Because we've been healers. 
shamans, speakers of truth going against yeah. the patriarchal paradigm, you know? Oh yeah. And we are now here to rise up again. And so it is really empowering for me to help empower so many women on their path so that they can speak their truth. Yeah. And you are able to do that because you have walked through that sort of, we could call it like a dark night of the soul where it's like these incredibly painful things are happening. And I know that there's something for me on the other side of that, but that doesn't mean that the journey is no. easy. Like there have been several iterations where it felt like I can't do, like, yeah. I just can't do this. Yeah. It's just too much. It's too intense. But what it sounds like you're saying is that what emerged out of that was mm -hmm. that I need guidance. Like I just need the right kind of guidance. I needed to trust my intuition. I needed to not run away from it or yes. take someone else's advice of like, I know, and I still do that. I, you know, it is a constant learning and relearning and remembering my intuition guides me Yes, and I'm not going to mm -hmm. fall away from that. Like, I trust. Oh, I feel that so much coming back to that place over and over and over again, because it's, yeah, it's not something that you just can turn on and turn off. Yeah. And it's not linear. Yeah. It's not like, okay, I'm done. Awesome. Not a place that you just <laughs> arrive at one day and you're like, cool. Right. We're good. Yes. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, I want to ask you about something else you said. I know we're coming to close to the end of time, but I think we have time for a couple more questions, if that's cool. Sure. I wanted to ask you about, because you said that as you were going through that journey and sort of navigating these losses and the resulting you know, sensitivities and, and openings that were happening for you, you said that you were too open. And I wondered mm -hmm. if you could talk about that a little bit more and sort of how you yeah. found that, uh, like that balance there. Yeah, I mean, I'm still working on opening again, okay. right? It's boundaries. Boundaries are necessary. Like, we are one energy beings, we're singular energy beings. And so we never want to call in other energies, angels, guides, call on them, call them forward. Don't call other energy into yourself. Mm -hmm. When I look back, I don't think any of it was dark, actually. <gasps> But it, I was just fearful because I was it was new to me. Exactly. The unknown is inherently scary. We're programmed to view it with fear and suspicion. Yeah. So being woken up by sound was startling. Of course. And then I literally went like this across my right skull and was like, no, or stop or something like that. And so I've had a couple of energy healers say, you have this shield yeah. over you. And so it's just been layers upon layers of pulling that back and learning to trust the unknown. Yeah. So not just trusting self, but trusting wow. the unknown and trusting that you are supported and that you are protected, but also creating those healthy boundaries. Exactly. Yes, it has to be both. Yeah, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but I've had to do a lot of unlearning of that automatic fear of anything yeah. in the spirit realm. For me, it comes from more of a background in like fundamentalist religion, mm. where I was taught that anything outside of this specific paradigm yeah. or framework is actually evil mm -hmm. and is, would do you harm, right? right? I know. 
Yes. Deep programming. Unprogramming. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's been, like you said, just that peeling back of that like shield, like just little, little by little by little. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Candy, tell us more because I know, I mean, obviously we wanted to focus on Reiki, which is like such a rich subject. We could talk about it so much more, but give us also the rundown of some of your other interests, services, things that you offer as well, please. Thank you. Um, So yes, I'm a Reiki practitioner and teacher. So I offer Reiki trainings usually once a month. It doesn't always align that way, but typically once a month. I hold very small classes. I only hold those for four people so we can go really deep. It is not your typical quick weekend certification. We're going to go deep and you're going to learn how to work with energy. And it's going to open you up to your energetic gifts and give you a practice to help you through that. Um, I'm also a holistic chef. Um, Mm -hmm. I just have one client now and I'll probably just have the that one, but I had a catering company um, locally sourced and organic for 10 years, nine and a half years. And yeah. I closed it like a year before the pandemic. Really? It was amazing. And I had amazing clients, but it was exhausting. And my body was just absolutely like asking no for something different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was sick all the time. I was so run down. My nervous system was just a wreck. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I also um, am an herbalist yes. and vitalist herbalist. So if you don't know what that is, allopathic is like westernized medicine and it's yeah. trying to fix the symptom instead of getting to the root of it. And vitalist herbalism exactly. is getting to the deepest root of what is going on and, and taking care of it that way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Lots of medicine is moving that way. Yay. Um, <laughs> I know. I was going to say, here we are back to the two of cups, yes. the way forward. Yes, mm-hmm. completely agree. I have an apothecary. Um, so herbal, herbal products. Um, I have a list on my website of all my offerings. And then you can just message me if you are interested. Yeah. So there's all these different sort of arms of your healing work and your sort of integration of the energetic, the spiritual, and also the natural, like working with plant partners. Yeah. And physical body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Kendi. I'm like, so energized. I'm so like Mm. excited now. Thank you so, so, so much for sharing your knowledge with us. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yes. I can't wait to have another session with you soon because uh, you work wonders. So thank you you so much. This was so fun. Okay. Where can listeners find you follow along, um, engage with your work? You mentioned your website. Yes. So my website is just revelnashville.com. R-E-V as in Victor E-L. And um, my Instagram is revel underscore Nashville. Love it. Now we know where to find you and follow along and I will see you at the Goddess Craft Market. I cannot wait. Wonderful. Thank you, Jordan, so much. Thank you for bringing this amazing podcast to the people and for your work and your beautiful energy. Thank you, Kendi. That means a lot. Thank you for being here. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you again to my guest, Kindy Girdley. May you be blessed with the care and healing that you so generously provide to others. 
If you believe in this work and want to support the continuation of our show, please join us on Patreon. There we are building a community where you'll find bonus dream work exercises, guided meditations, community events, and so much more. The link to join is in our show notes. Don't forget, if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you'll be automatically entered into a monthly contest to win a free 20-minute shadow work tarot session with yours truly. But please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you. And you could be featured on a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at psyche underscore magic. Check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. Link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Grace Fuse and Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time.